0: A reading from The Age of Overwhelm, Strategies for the Long Haul by Laura Van Lipsky. The more we feel overwhelmed starting to set in, the more focused and diligent we need to be with ourselves in having a plan. When we're overwhelmed, we must, must determine how to metabolize and internally transform whatever is arising within us. Otherwise it erodes us, or we cause external harm or both. As poet and activist, Audrey Lord wrote, caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. Change starts with two considerations. What is in our collective control and what is in my individual control? There are countless things in life that are out of our individual control. Depending on our religious views, spiritual orientations, varying philosophies, our perspective on this will differ. And whether that which is out of our control is comforting or anxiety producing will also differ. But most folks agree that a lot of things are out of our control in life. It can be helpful to start by just acknowledging this.
1: Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we're going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heartlifting journey towards living a meaningful life.
0: Hello and welcome to today's Heart Lift with Janelle. Today we have with us the amazing Laura Vandernoot Lipsky. Laura is really a hero of mine. Uh, She is the founder and director of the Trauma Stewardship Institute and author of Trauma Stewardship, An Everyday Guide to Caring for Self While Caring for Others, a must read if you are an Enneagram too, or you are someone who is in the profession or vocation of caring for others, which honestly is applicable to all of us. That book was a game changer for me, an enlightenment, an eye opener. And when I found it in January this past year, oh my goodness, it really just, it it just was life-giving. She also is the author of The Age of Overwhelm: Strategies for the Long Haul. And when I found that book after I found Trauma Stewardship, it just identified many, many characteristics of my life that needed some attention. I can be an over-carer, an over-sharer, and I can be too empathic and too caring. Yes, there is such a thing. And so I'm just so grateful to Laura for helping me understand myself better. And that's why we're here. She's going to help us today understand more about overwhelm, if you need uh, to refresh yourself, I talked a lot about Laura's work in season eight on episode seven, Reimagining your Overwhelm. Heartlifters, we are living in a time of overwhelm. I'm sure it's not new under the sun, but this is the time and in, uh, in place in history that we're living in, and we are still on the uh, experience and the ramifications of a global pandemic. And so Laura's work has become so important and i just can't believe that we're ha- we have her here today it's such an honor laura found her calling at age 18 she writes when she regularly spent nights volunteering in a homeless shelter she continued working with those who have been sexually assaulted involved with domestic violence child abuse natural disasters she worked a lot after hurricane katrina she's involved with a great deal of environmental injustices And a decade into her career, she experienced what she refers to as a near psychotic break. The result of years and years of working and witnessing and being intimately involved with those who have been traumatized, a serious job hazard, we might say, and You know, she went on to write Trauma Stewardship, an everyday guide to caring for self while caring for others as a result of that, because not only did others need it, she needed it herself. And that's why her work is so beautiful to me, because it comes from deep within her. She's a woman who cares deeply, and I just respect her so much for that. She's worked in both private and public sectors. And in March 2015, she delivered the first TED Talk inside a women's correctional facility, Okay, let's start this brilliant conversation with Laura once again. So honored to have Laura with us. Welcome. Welcome, Laura.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm
0: so grateful. I just really am. Uh, Laura, how on earth? I'm just curious because I love story. And uh, how on earth did you come into this arena of being so well-spoken and wise on trauma and on overwhelm. How did that unfold for you in your life?
1: Mm, Yeah. Um, Well, thank you for the kind words. Um, So for me, it came um, because of my own life. So I started (laughs) doing trauma work formally when I was 18 and definitely didn't know it at the time, but, uh, certainly on some level from a place of trauma mastery and trying to just understand my life and make sense of things mm-hmm. and then worked in primary trauma for years and then because you know we were committed and devoted and dedicated and you know 18 19 2021 20, and um we're just all all consumed with what we're doing in so many different realms um, I've always done trauma work as a part of this larger context and understanding of structural supremacy and systematic oppression. And so Mm -hmm. we were very devoted and dedicated and also just zero, zero, zero support or communication or education around vicarious trauma and around Mm -hmm. the cumulative toll and around secondary trauma. And so as a result of that, um, you know, it, took a toll on me. Like it takes a toll on everybody. And I, um, just really didn't understand what was happening and I kind of refused to get help for a long time. So one thing led to another and I was not doing well. And so that's kind of the story I tell. Um, in trauma yeah. stewardship and in the TED talk and everything about losing my mind, coming very close to losing my mind. And then that yeah. is what prompted me to get into vicarious trauma work. So that's what I've, I've been doing, a combination of primary trauma, vicarious trauma, and work on overwhelm ever since.
0: And vicarious trauma, can you just help um, my listeners understand what that is? Like...
1: Yeah, I mean, the kind of least clinical way we think about it is when you're bearing witness over time to suffering, hardship, crisis, Mm -hmm. trauma of humans, other living beings and ecologically what's going on on the planet, we know there's a cumulative toll. So it's that toll personally and professionally and individually Mm -hmm. as well as collectively.
0: Right. And we all have been living in that. (laughs) Uh, sadly, and we are taping this two days after another school shooting in Texas that's just disarming and um, unsufferable to watch. And you know, you write about in Trauma Stewardship, which I have uh, your chart, it sits on my desk where you give us a trauma exposure response. So I'm just going to list these things just for everyone to kind of have an understanding of what it means when you might be having a trauma exposure response because I did not know Laura. I do trauma work every day. And um like you said, all of a sudden it just snuck up on me and I just hit it. I hit the I hit the wall. I <laughs> just hit it hard. And I was like, yeah, what of course.
1: Yeah, of is course. wrong with me. Yeah, and, of
0: course. You know, a global pandemic, uh, just so many things. And so here are some of the things you can kind of look at feeling helpless and hopeless. Well, I, you know, I woke up that way this morning. It's again like, what on earth can I do? Write my senators, write my congressmen. What can I do? A sense that one can never do enough. Hypervigilance, diminished creativity, inability to embrace complexity. Ugh. Minimizing. Chronic exhaustion and physical ailments. Here in this community, we know the body keeps the score. Inability to listen, deliberate avoidance, dissociative moments, a sense of persecution, guilt, fear, anger, cynicism, and an inability to empathize, a numbing. Ooh, addictions, yep. Grandiosity, an inflated sense of importance related in one's work. So those are just some... Woo, standalones, but when you put them all together, it is uh, really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So if anyone listening,
1: mm-hmm.
0: anyone listening, here's anything that goes, wow, I don't know. I just want you to get Laura's book, Trauma Stewardship. I think everybody in the world should read it right now because we are living in a age of overwhelm. Laura, how would you discern the difference between I'm just overwhelmed? What is overwhelm? What is it? You know, what is that? And then maybe understanding Maybe I'm having a trauma response.
1: Is there a difference in that? It's a great question. Um, I mean, so again, least clinical. Um, Always, way we love to it. Think about <laughs> it. Yeah, um, I think about it a lot in terms of, you know, kind of putting a zoom zoom lens on a camera and kind of zooming in as far as you can, I think about that in terms of primary trauma. So Mm -hmm. obviously there's lots and lots of overlap, but primary trauma, this is something that, you know, you're surviving, you're going through, it's, it's your world comes to look like a fundamentally different place over time. So Mm -hmm. that's like that real zoomed in, like this is first person experiencing again, lots of overlap here, but then with vicarious trauma, if you pull the lens a little bit farther out and again, that is, you know, the exposure to over time, bearing witness to suffering crisis, hardship of humans, living beings, ecologically, or planet. And that can be a limited time or it can be a long time, you know, that can be Yeah. You know, the kind of the classic thinking of the first responders and it can be school teachers and it can be librarians with what librarians have going on right now. And it can be journalists and it can also be caring for your dad who has Lou Gehrig's disease and caring Mm. for, you know, your child who is neurodivergent and really, really struggling. So it can be, you know, any of those things and it can be short or longer term time and can it be personal caretaking and it can definitely be professional. Um, and then if you pull the lens even farther back, you know, kind of wide angle lens that you're putting on now, that's yeah. what I think about really in terms of overwhelm. So with overwhelm and, you know, what we tried to do with that second book on overwhelm was really kind of like for anybody, yes, <laughs> <just> <laughs> feeling like it is hard to get out of bed in the morning, yes. a lot going on. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's more clinical definition you could go into, but just that sense of just Really having a hard time being able to feel like you can move forward and feeling mm-hmm. the sense, what I talk a lot about is our nervous system and the degree yes. to which over time we can feel saturated in mm-hmm. our nervous system.
0: Oh, please talk to us about that. I think that's, that's really what I have come to discover is you know what? I, <laughs> your nervous system, if it's never understood what it means to be calm, or peaceful, and it's only lived in hypervigilance, you know, what the heck do you do with that? Like, what do you do with that, Laura?
1: Yeah. I mean, what we, this is something I'm talking about just all the time in my, mm-hmm. in my work for the last bit is, is, I mean, first of all, when I think about nervous system, I think about, you know, of course we have our nervous system. And then I just think it's really helpful for people to be able to think about your nervous system as you know where you live has a nervous system, and where your loved ones spend time has a nervous system. So a daycare has a nervous system, and you know if oh. your if your folks live in an elderly home, that has a nervous system. And I think about our workplaces have nervous systems, and I think our neighborhoods have nervous systems, and oh our region, and our country, and so good. So, you know, you think about your nervous system, right? And then you think about there's all these nervous systems that are interwoven that's part of interbeing is, is there's yes. all these nervous systems that are interwoven together mm-hmm. and so with that interwovenness and the, the interbeing of those nervous systems you know we know that over time as you go through your day day after day after day there's any number of things that arise in our days where our brain is registering that as perceived threat or overwhelming or something's going on and you know it's important to remember that's personal and subjective so what might feel completely overwhelming to me you know you could be chilling on any given day it's mm-hmm. personal and subjective which is why we want to have a lot of humility a lot of grace a lot of beginner's mind as we say in buddhism with each other mm-hmm. because it's just it has to do with this lifetime if you believe in intergenerational transmission of trauma it has to do with that epigenetics yeah but if your brain registers as something is perceived Threat or potentially overwhelming, then just like other animals, a lot of energy floods into our nervous system. Our fight, flight, freeze response is activated all this energy comes into our nervous system and we just don't do as well as other animals, you know, as Peter Levine talked about. And of course, yeah. and other folks talk about like, and, and part of that, I mean, some of it is socialization, oppression, internalized oppression with messages we get around feeling and ability to emote. Some yeah. of it is the part of our brain that helps us make meaning of things, which often is not great in humans. <laughs> and then a lot of it has to do with the mid prefrontal cortex. I mean, at least mm-hmm. if you're over 25, Mm-hmm. and your adolescent brain has come together nicely for you, then while you'll have an instinct to flee, fight, or shut down, which is what other animals do, and if they're allowed to do that full circuit, then they fare very well. But for us, you will I mean, God willing, you'll have a voice telling you to hold it together. That's your executive functioning.
0: Yes. So we love
1: impulse control. But on the other hand, what happens is it means it's a breaking mechanism. So it means where this mm-hmm. energy would otherwise come out of your nervous system, just like with other animals. Instead with us, you know, it, it'll get stopped in your nervous system. So I, I think about that then in terms of, you know, it just starts loitering and lingering and taking Mm -hmm. root and cycling and cycling and cycling in your nervous system. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, what we talk a lot about with trauma and vicarious trauma and overwhelm is what conditions have you created? What Mm -hmm. conditions do you have in place to be able to metabolize this? And Mm -hmm. if we don't metabolize it, then you, I mean, certainly with people's caretaking responsibilities and people's Mm -hmm. jobs and what's going on in the world, it doesn't take long if you're not with conditions in place to metabolize it before you just get very, very saturated. And when I do this work, it's really important any time I'm doing work, um, I mean, certainly with organizations and institutions and systems that we look at this systemically and structurally that I think you know, where we work in schools where people yeah. learn, have a moral mandate and an ethical obligation to create sustainable environments for people mm-hmm. to work in and live in. And so when I'm talking about creating conditions, I I really go heavy there. Um, I, I mm-hmm. don't really do my work traditionally from, you know, with respect from the place of self-care in terms of like, okay, individuals, I need mean, you all to right. like, yeah. figure so you are, out your own, right You're your more global down, right you know? Collective. Yeah, yeah. We really want to look at the systemic and the structural pieces that lead to all this. Um, yeah. So that's what we look at a lot and just spend a lot of time working on is, is first of all, how do you avoid unnecessary exposure to things that would jack up mm-hmm. your nervous system? Mm-hmm. And then where you can't avoid unnecessary exposure, um, then we look at how do you metabolize this all?
0: Right. And that looks like what? If I uh, metabolizing means, uh, am I managing it? Am I processing it? Am I regulating it? Can you give us like a, a little picture of what that might look like?
1: Yeah. So for me, what I think about with metabolizing is I think about, I, I really take it again down to the nervous system and, and I get mm-hmm. really focused on the physiological because I think so, Good. Many, I love know, it. so many folks are, yeah, like so wickedly smart people are in their heads get all hyper intellectual and and um and i think that to me i think it's we we just can't say enough again i mean first and foremost you want to avoid any unnecessary exposure you can Mm -hmm. i mean that that that's really like the easiest lift and kind of from a self-respecting place you want to do that so if you know if if there is any way you could not be on social media don't be on social media if there is a way Mm -hmm. to not you know, just be consumed by the news. I'm not saying, obviously I'm not saying Mm -hmm. like, don't work for social justice, environmental justice, social change. I mean, right. Right. But also, the degree to which you're dedicated to social justice, environmental justice, social change has nothing to do with how much time you spend on these platforms or following the news. So you also mm-hmm. want to be really, really mindful because just humans are not. That we, we there's just no way we can be exposed to news on the level we are without numbing, distancing, mm-hmm. disconnecting, dissociating, disintegrating all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you know, there's a number of ways that you can avoid unnecessary exposure, whether it's relationships that are not reciprocal or new social media, whatnot. Mm. And then where you can't, then we look at metabolizing. So some of what that looks like, you know, th- this is, it's what all of our ancestors did, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, I talk a lot with people about unless you're medically advised against it, get your heart rate up, break a sweat, make yes. sure you're not in front of anything toxic as you do it, have some intention of, you know, may anything that's accumulated in my nervous system over the last <laughs> 24 hours be fully released from my nervous system. So a chance oh my, of yep. showing up for the next 24 hours and bringing my high yourself to the next 24 hours and 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 again that's not i mean that that is you don't need to go to a gym right that, that you can right. chop wood you can dance yes. you can play the saxophone you can box you can there's yes. any number of things but it's allowing your nervous system every 24 ish hours to have a full nervous system reset. I think um, that's Other brilliant. things, of course, are mm. being outside, you know, mm-hmm. Japanese long tradition yes. of forced bathing, you know, just, just getting outside. And even if mm. you don't like being outside, even if that's not your thing, it like, I don't yep. really care. Like, it doesn't matter. Like all the science points, like you don't have to be somebody who's like, I'm a nature person, just right. being outside well, yeah, you look say, outside. look outside, look outside, yeah, be outside, yeah, right. right? It's going to help your nervous system. Yeah. Yes. Um, so there's any number of things like that. So it, it's both a combination of avoid things that you don't have to, exposure to expose yourself mm. to that are going to harm your nervous system. And then when you can't avoid that, then we need to really look at like, okay, how do we make sure that we are metabolizing these things? Ugh.
0: I That's just so good. It seems so simple, but yet in my own private, my practice in my own life and in my practice to, to really get that message to take root is why is that so difficult? <laughs> why are we so resistant to participating in mindfulness and going outside and looking outside? I mean, it, I know that it's a cultural collective push, push, push. I know that we live in that. Um, mm-hmm. I get that. And you have an incredible, your trauma stewardship Institute has a beautiful, I have it. I have the big poster map for managing one's life. And then you have that crossed out and it says for managing one's day. So I keep that above my desk as well. And I'm going to let everyone know how they can get that because it has been most helpful. Um, And plus you're really funny, Laura. I do want to just really applaud you for adding humor, which I know you're aware of. but you have cartoons all through your book and they just, you just give the perfect balance. Like don't take this all too seriously.
1: I don't know. Well, that's that where that comes from. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of you. Yeah. I, I mean, I had a, a, I have a wonderful mentor, Heather Anderson, who, and she's the one who really introduced me and she was a hostess for a long time. And she's the one who really oh. introduced me into you know, on some level, when at least when we do trainings and talk with people about this, the importance of having some equanimity where you have space for the suffering and the sorrow and the pain. And also Mm -hmm. we have to pay attention to things that are beautiful and edifying. And of course, Mm -hmm. I think that pure humor is, is one of the (laughs) most edifying things. Um, But it was really, I mean, she was the one who first, you know, really helped me see that in terms of from an education Educational standpoint. And, and then okay. when I started doing these trainings and then certainly writing, I mean, it's not, I mean, mm. it's just, it's miserable. I mean, it's just like <laughs> yes. sitting through a training on this or reading a book. Yes. I mean, it's just like, it's like, why would you ever, it's like awful. And so that's where I have for years leaned very, 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 very heavily on the New Yorker cartoons. Um, so I, yes. I and I, they're I,
0: well-timed, they're right there at the right time. And right when you think, ah, oh, then you put one there and it's like, okay okay, okay, all right I can laugh here because I think a lot of times in a state of yeah, overwhelm yeah, especially yeah. in a state of overwhelm, we really forget to have fun. we don't know and we, I feel guilty if I'm happy. I feel guilty if my life is going well. Um, I think that has a lot to do with the way I grew up for sure, my family of origin, alcoholism and all of that. But also, when there's so much tragedy um, coming across the news and all of these systems that we have in our presence all day long, I think we just forget that we can actually step away. And that is chapter eight in your book, The Age of Overwhelm. And I found this one, Laura, to be the hardest. I'm a highly empathic, highly sensitive human being. Now, that might be just an excuse. I'm not sure. But... um you know, how do we know, you know, if I see, um, well, they don't call them beggars, (laughs) um, panhandlers or, um, people on the side of the road, you know, I just, I get overwhelmed. Okay. That's just one small little way. Um, Mm -hmm. when, when to step away, you know, you write, once we deepen our insight and awareness into how our lives are currently going, if the way we're spending our time is edifying or eroding, we have a final set of considerations to evaluate. A central tenet of our ability to sustain is being able to discern when to approach, when to maintain, and when to call it a wrap. So you're saying it's okay that sometimes we can walk away. Now, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, so for me, I just get, I get very, very concrete here in terms of what's not an option to me is that any harm comes to folks as we are trying to help. And I mean, obviously we don't want harm coming in any way to the folks who are trying to serve, whether that, again, Mm -hmm. is like your child is a parent or your partner if they have cancer or anything, like, I mean, you just, the, the person we're trying to help can receive a tremendous amount of harm for us, even if we would never intend that, but just mm-hmm. because we're completely over-deployed, overextended, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. so we certainly want to keep an eye on it for that reason. And then the other thing that I just see so much for caregivers, but certainly for folks who do this work in these fields is that the first place we're going to see harm generally If you're a nurse, if you're a school teacher, you know, if you're an activist, if you're a journalist, if you're in the military, if you're a public defender, it's not going to be the folks you're serving. The first place we're going to see harm is going to be in one's own health. Because most Mm. of us who come in to do this work, the degree of dedication, the degree of devotion, the degree of all that is so extreme that Mm -hmm. what we're going to do is we're going to put our heads down, suck it up, keep our mouth shut. And, 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 you know, this is like kind of field after field. There's been all this misinformation Mm -hmm. that if you're cool enough and tough enough and committed and you care, you're going to suck it up. And so do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the first place we see harm, will be in our own physical health. Mm -hmm. The second place we see harm will be our own depression, our own anxiety, all of that. Mm -hmm. The second level that we see harm will be in our loved one relationships, which I think, you know, probably all of your listeners can relate to, loved ones saying, you know, I don't know how they say you're so good at what you do at work because you suck at home, you know, like where mostly that, like, we do not give our best self to to our loved ones. The third place we see harm usually is our colleagues. Like we can Mm -hmm. do great work in our community, but you know, we gossip, we talk trash about people. And then by the time anybody is not really bringing their highest self to their job, I just always think about it like a mountaineering accident where there are all these indicators we really, 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 really needed to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of stepping away, it's I mean, it's it's like it's kind of like the least you can do for the people you care about, whether we're talking about caretaking in your personal life or on the job because mm-hmm. it just you end up causing harm right or even so, mothering so to me
0: like over-parenting, yeah, overmothering
1: for right for sure 100% right so so when we're talking about stepping away it's i mean there's it that that's the responsible thing to do that's the accountable thing to do and for many of us obviously it's hard to do that i mean for, because of everything cuz we care and we're dedicated and devoted and also because a lot of us, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of us come into these professions so we can focus on other people and not be present with ourselves. Oh, good Lord. That is so true. Trauma (laughs) mastery piece there too. You know, there's lots of reasons why it's hard to step away, but it's, I just think it's, it's essential, essential, essential that we don't Mm. get caught up in the martyrdom of just like, Oh, you're so amazing. I don't know how you do it. Look at you just pushing through everything, ignoring yourself. And I mean, that just, it, it never, ever, ever ends well. And I think culturally no. it's problematic. And I certainly think it's absolutely awful when workplaces endorse martyrdom. Mm-hmm. I
0: When I read about trauma mastery, the lights all started going off, like sirens were going off in my head. So I definitely want to bring more to the table about that in the future, but you can read all about that in Laura's book, uh, Trauma Stewardship. But I wanted to know as we're closing here, because, oh, you know how I could just talk to you forever, but I'm going to honor your time. Beautiful, Laura, in chapter eight, you write about a story uh, about about you and your husband at a family reunion, and it's just a couple paragraphs in the book, but I think it has a beautiful takeaway for our listeners, Um, and I can remind you about it if you need it, because I know when we write a book and we're (laughs) moving on, sometimes we forget the stories, but it's about scuba diving, and a little something happened between your and your husband. And I thought that could be a good takeaway for our audience today.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's a number of there's a number of threads there, so I'm not <laughs> sure which, which one you want to pick okay. up on. But um, I mean, I you tell me what you found. You found were striking, trying, because, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'll read a, just the benefit of uh-huh. this was revealed. Yeah. Okay, yeah. If, yeah. I'll read this. If it's a small break, you need to keep on keeping on. Give yourself some time and space to just do nothing. Step out for a minute. The benefit of this was revealed to me during a family reunion. Lots of people around, complex dynamics at play. You've been there. So in this particular moment, I was trying to get my partner's attention to help both tend to the adult situation at hand and help wrangle the many children running around. Okay. (laughs) You're like giving him this look and he wasn't picking up on it.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, I I was struck by something you said earlier in terms of like, you're really empathic and you care a lot Mm -hmm. and like, you know, and kind of the trauma mastery that, that might bring you to some of the work you're doing and everything. And I just, I I think it's something to have some self-awareness of, of ourselves that there are, you know, there are people like my partner where the glass, is always half full. Things just are able to roll, like get wax on a duck's mm. back. Just things are able to roll off. Like so absolute, absolute, absolute opposite of me. Right. And that's just, that's yeah. how he rolls and that's how he goes through life. And there's, you know, it's not, I mean, I think for all of us, there's a light shadow dynamic of, you know, any, yes. any way that we all roll through the life that it life, it's not good or bad, but like mm-hmm. light shadow dynamic. And so, but yeah. that's, you know, part of his life is assuming well and glass half full and all of that. And that's, that is just not, that's not how I roll. And so Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, one of the things that we want to pay attention to Buddhism talks so beautifully about wake up to the present moment. And I think this idea of like being very honest with ourselves about, again, that light shadow dynamic, not good or bad, but what 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 do I have in this moment? What do I have in my life? What is nature, nurture, however you want to think about it? Mm-hmm. But what what do I want to build on? And then, as Thich Nhat Han says so beautifully, "cradle mm-hmm. your suffering. The yes. shadow side of things, the places that we struggle, the places that uh, that can be challenging you know, Tik Nonhan would always talk about you've got to cradle your suffering. You've got to figure out a way to care for those places. Mm. So, you know, with what you were sharing earlier in terms of being empathetic and caring mm-hmm. so much and you know that there's there's a reason so many of us come into this work like that that is our mm-hmm. constitution that is our orientation and then then you put on top of that trauma that mm-hmm. those of us who have survived trauma many of us come into this work because we are definitely 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 trying to reconcile things mm-hmm. so again it's not a bad or good thing but i think just having that awareness and then knowing then how are you going to in a very responsible way and a very accountable way hopefully with humor along the way as well. But how are you going to tend to that? Like, what what does yes. that look like in terms of your personal life? What does that look mm-hmm. like in terms of how you spend your time, like where you volunteer and mm-hmm. how does it look, what does it look like in terms of how you decide to pay the bills? And mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, you know, again, nothing, nothing bad or good or taking it out of that binary, mm-hmm. of course, but just understanding like what the, the, the question that I encourage people to ask, like it, it's some part of a contemplative practice, which can be, you, know, mm. you don't have to like, have to be a dramatic thing you can do it when you're walking your dog or making sandwiches for mm-hmm. your kids. But it's just like every day asking yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why yes. am I caretaking the way I'm caretaking? Why am I doing the volunteer work I'm doing? Why am I spending time in this job? What, like, yes. how am I spending my time? And, you know, Pema showed and mm-hmm. says, death is certain and your time of death is uncertain. How do you want to spend your time? That's right. And I think about that all the time, like I always think about that. And certainly right now in life, a mm-hmm. lot. Again,
0: yeah, Mary Oliver, you know, what are you going to do with your one wild life?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, What yeah. are you
0: going to do with yeah. it? And and I had a, a woman challenge me um, last week and I, I was like, oh, I heard this thing podcast today. And it's like, you know, what do you want your life to look like in five years? And she goes, let me just challenge you here. What do you want your life to feel like? What do you want to feel like in five years? And I was like, well, that's a shift. You know, okay. so I just think what you're yeah. urging us, Laura, what your story yeah. tells us is that we can give ourselves permission. Like I, I, maybe I need to give my, like, I'm one of those personalities that has to give herself permission to walk away or to step away or not join a group or whatever that I know is going to cause me, um, overwhelm, uh, to be very cautious, to be very intentional and strategic. Uh, about where I place my hand in life and where I place my heart and mind in my work. Is that, is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's just, you know, there's no shortage of ways that we can be of service and help prepare the world and Mm -hmm. all of that. And so I think it's, it's, I get very practical in terms of cost benefit of just like, what do you, what, this is all fleeting. This is all impermanent, you know? Um, And so where, what do you want and and to what benefit, where, where can we bring our highest selves? And, Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about overwhelm, and that's we were asked to start a podcast for a long time, and I I just didn't do it for a long time because I didn't imagine we'd have anything to contribute the landscape, but we ended up doing it, and the oh. podcast is all about overwhelm. You know, it's all about navigating yes. overwhelm. It's all about interrupting isolation around overwhelm. Oh. It's all about strategies for overwhelm, and we have everybody on there from you know, like Pulitzer Prize winning journalists to the head of mental health for the NBA to activists, to it's you know, ACLU folks, to um, so and a lot of young people. It's really, really important to me that we are supporting adolescents and young adults. So everything oh, is goodness. dedicated to them. And, um, but you know, like to your point, it's just any support we can have around overwhelm, I think is, mm-hmm. is really, really meaningful.
0: Yes. And, and your husband. Um, I think shared with you about buddy breathing. So that's just kind of where I was heading with that. You know that there's a practice in scuba diving that if someone you're diving with is running out of air in their tank, you pass your regulator back and forth. Buddy breathing. So across the room, he kind of did that. You know, kind of played charades with you for a minute, and he was just like looking at you and telling you. You know, he's giving you some of his breath. And I just think that's a very beautiful practice to remember that you you need to have a support system around you in life that feeds you, you know, we don't heal in isolation, we heal in community and to make sure that you have people around you that, um, you know, are helping you buddy breathe. I think that's just, I I took that away from the book. It was very important to me, you know, and so now across the room, we're kind of, you know, my husband and I are kind of doing that. So
1: yeah, Laura, Laura, Laura. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Really, really a treat for me. So thank you so much.
0: Oh, I can't wait to give everyone all of your uh, information. We'll have all that in the show notes. And so everybody can get their charts and their um, beautiful posters and put them over their desk or on the refrigerator for the whole family to see. And uh, may you just continue to take care of yourself as you take care of so many.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Take the best of care. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Oh, Heartlifters, what a privilege to have Laura here with us. Just such a privilege. I want to make sure that you can connect with her because I know how much I have needed her words and wisdom, and I suspect you will, too. So you can find Laura at www.traumastewardship.com. And... Her new podcast that she mentioned is called Future Tripping, and I learned uh, something new that future tripping is an actual clinical term, and it means to stop worrying about something that hasn't even happened yet. That is so fantastic. So heartlifters, we are adding that to our realm of study and realm of practice that we're going to stop future tripping. Oh my goodness, that's fantastic. I think we're going to need a whole episode on that in the future. So stay tuned. Until then, be sure, be sure to take care of yourself. Because I know you're taking care of so many in your spheres of influence. So take care
1: of yourself. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at janellereardon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.